Volume Two, Chapter Three of *The Rebel Rose* by Justin McCarthy and Rosa Campbell Prade. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three, The Whiteness of the Rebel Rose. Tell me, General Falcon, Monsignor Valmy said quietly, what you want Sir Victor Champion to do, what you want Mister Bellarmine to do. He looked towards Bellarmine as he spoke in a manner that plainly invited Bellarmine to take part in the discussion. "'Am I in this?' Bellarmine asked, half rising, and then drawing his chair nearer to the little group, which was gathered round a small table on which coffee and cigarettes were placed. "'Surely I was just saying to General Falcon that we should all like to know what he wants you, for example, to do in regard to these claims.' you see we assume your sympathy and willingness to help us lord stonehenge said i shall be only too glad to help you bellarmine replied if i can see my way exactly we want general falcon to give you the light to help you to see your way dry light as bacon puts it monsignor valmy said quietly light free from all colouring matter i suppose bacon meant we want to give you that sort of light and none other we want to have the case put fairly before you so that you shall judge for yourself on the facts i have studied the question pretty closely bellarmine answered and very sympathetically it seems clear to me that there is no constitutional or legal claim in the technical sense of the words mr bellarmine doesn't understand the question falcon interposed with harsh voice and scowling face i have studied it to the best of my ability general falcon bellarmine said determined not to lose his temper if i don't understand it that is the fault of my intellect and not of my effort it is well to have every one's opinion oh yes go on please mr bellarmine stonehenge exclaimed turning eyes of expostulation on the impatient falcon i am particularly anxious to hear mr bellarmine's full and candid expression of opinion monsignor valmy said gravely he is one of our friends general falcon not one of our enemies i ask mr bellarmine's pardon said falcon in a strange contradictory flash of penitence which puzzled bellarmine i know he means to be a friend now mr bellarmine lord stonehenge interposed a little impatiently i don't see any claim that you could possibly sustain in any court of law for instance bellarmine explained i don't see how the government the crown monsignor valmy suggested oh well it isn't the crown really it is the government the crown will as a matter of public policy decline to do anything but what the government advises now it seems to me that as a question of generosity there is a strong case and as a question of public policy even a very good case i think in this instance generosity and public policy would go together generosity lord stonehenge began in a doubting tone of voice yes i was coming to that point bellarmine went on are you disposed to make an appeal to the generosity of the country would you be willing to do that would miss beaton consent do you mean to make an appeal in form of pauperous is that what mr bellarmine recommends cried falcon no general falcon i didn't recommend anything of the kind i didn't recommend anything in point of fact i only asked a question or two for the guidance of myself and of all of us 
it is one thing to make a legal claim in a court of law or even in parliament it is another to appeal to parliament for fair play and moral justice and generosity in a matter where it is frankly admitted that we have no legal claim i mean legal in the narrow and technical sense i think mr bellarmin is putting the case very well said monsignor valmy i am afraid he is putting it only too well too accurately i mean lord stonehenge added well my idea is this bellarmin went on i think the claim could be put in that way in such a manner as to command the attention and sympathy of the house of commons and i don't say that a resolution might not be carried recommending the case to the consideration of the government then of course all would depend on the action of the government in other words monsignor valmy said it would depend on who were the government precisely there was a pause full of meaning the same thought was in the minds of each of the men yes said lord stonehenge with a sudden vivacity of emphasis it would all depend on who were the men in the government i mean on who was the man at the head of the government bellarmin understood clearly he thought it would be well to let his listeners know that he understood now he said slowly we are on the eve of a crisis of some sort everyone is agreed upon that and what everyone says does now and then happen to be true at least it is unsafe to count on its never coming true i don't think it would be well to bring up this claim under unfavorable circumstances better wait a little perhaps our modern tories have utterly forsworn or forgotten all memory of their ancient traditions and the king over the water the more stolidly tory they are the more inveterately they are opposed to any recognition of a well a past condition of things it would not be of much use trying on anything under them but suppose there should be a change of government yes monsignor valmy observed quietly suppose there should be there may be before long lord stonehenge said significantly in other words bellarmin said taking a long puff at his cigarette and sending the smoke out before him straight as the path of a bullet suppose sir victor champion were to come into office as prime minister monsignor valmy inquired blandly as prime minister yes i suppose he will either come in as prime minister or not come in at all in that case lord stonehenge monsignor valmy asked with a tone of ingenuous curiosity how do you think sir victor champion would be affected towards these claims in that case stonehenge answered gravely i should hope favorably after a while at least yes said bellarmin meditatively the answer he had received was exactly what he had expected their hopes were centred on champion will champion carry the country with him monsignor valmy asked still in a tone of simple artlessness in what bellarmin rejoined with manner equally guileless monsignor valmy smiled for myself lord stonehenge said abruptly with the air of one who comes daringly to what others are only thinking of i would much rather see the house of lords reformed than reorganized and reformed or reorganized by its friends than by its enemies champion has a highly cultivated mind and he has a deep vein of sympathy in his nature i prefer champion as a reformer to to mr tressel for instance the priest gave a little shudder 
the plain common sense of the thing then said bellarmin is that we should keep these claims quiet until we see whether sir victor champion is likely to come into power soon may i ask who are understood by we general falcon demanded angrily we well i meant those who are anxious to see justice done to miss beaton's claims bellarmin answered with perfect good humour i was delighted to hear mr bellarmin include himself in the number put in monsignor valmy so was i added lord stonehenge with a courteous bend of the head to bellarmin only i did not quite understand said falcon not altogether appeased there was a pause lord stonehenge broke in we were thinking of something of that kind of waiting quietly until we see what champion will do and what will happen but we are not what are called practical politicians monsignor valmy and i and i am sure general falcon would be very angry with me if i were to call him a practical politician i am a soldier said general falcon exactly monsignor valmy rejoined sweetly and i am a priest we are neither of us qualified to advise lord stonehenge on a question of practical politics and so we are all grateful for mr bellarmin's advice apparently the matter was regarded as settled the claims were bound up for the present with the fortunes of sir victor champion's next move whatever that might turn out to be bellarmin removed his cigarette from his mouth and thoughtfully laid down the smouldering end he looked round the little group i should like to ask one thing i ask it in all sincerity and faith and with the fullest friendliness these claims these particular claims are an end and not a means the priest who had been gazing abstractedly out on the lake the clear-cut outline of his ascetic features defined against the dim leafy background turned to bellarmin with a ray of keen interest lighting his face into a look of less otherworldliness do we quite understand he asked softly i don't understand falcon exclaimed bluntly lord stonehenge turned to bellarmin do you mean mr bellarmin that these claims are all that we consider ourselves on miss beaton's part entitled to make that on their being satisfied we are prepared to give a receipt in full if that is what you mean yes certainly nevertheless lord stonehenge sighed as he spoke and the spirit of his ancestors loyal to the death to stuarts of old time seemed to glow in his refined vandyke face these money claims are final he went on in a tone of determined resignation we have no other money claims to make the princess miss beaton only wants what is her own by right yes all that i quite understand but what i would ask is whether there is any idea of making these claims a sort of test of public feeling as to other possible claims i am sure you understand my meaning believe me such an idea would end in nothing but utter disaster ridicule and disgrace disgrace falcon cried his eyes aflame with wrath yes general falcon bellarmin replied turning to him with some warmth disgrace to the advisers who ruined a just claim and exposed to public odium the noblest of clients he was going to say women but somehow he preferred to leave the sex out of the question the noblest of clients by mixing both up with absurd and hopeless dynastic intrigues monsignor valmy's pale delicate complexion seemed to deepen a little in the moonlight as bellarmin spoke these words 
lord stonehenge remained quite self-possessed mr bellarmin he said is naturally afraid of being mixed up with the stuart restoration scheme in the nineteenth century no indeed bellarmin broke in warmly i was not thinking of myself i could go into a scheme or keep out of it just as i thought best to do i was not thinking of danger of real danger for for anybody i was thinking of ridicule i was thinking of public odium so hard for a woman to bear the sex which he would fain have kept out of the controversy here boldly asserted itself and came in i was thinking of all that and of the inevitable ruin of these very claims themselves no matter how just they may be that is what i was thinking of lord stonehenge again there was a pause and through the silence of the arbor there floated the sound of mary beaton's laugh as she chatted with the young prince that sweet frank laugh which with all its sweetness and its girlishness had in it an imperious ring involuntarily at its sound the men moved forward a little all except the priest and he remained still with that bland inquiring smile on his thin lips as if there were in his mind no thought of the girl round whom centred these curious out-of-date suggestions of conspiracy and revolution they could see the boat as it lay like a fairy skiff on the shining lake and the slim youth with his picturesque spanish face and the slender proud bright maiden whose dark wavy hair and contour of feature and smile and gesture seemed to have in them something traditional which woke in the mind memories of holyrood and of reckless winsome mary stuart how out of keeping with the commonplace fret the vulgar rush and scurry of nineteenth-century existences were these two living representatives of dead dynasties it had an odd bewildering effect this spell of the past bellarmin felt a tightening of his heart he scarce knew why and then a rush of impetuous desire to bear her away from it all from the network of scheming and calculations and false hopes and associations that were at once tragic and poetic and absurd he longed to sweep away the glamour of her stuart ancestry the poor pretence of princesship and to appeal to her bravely honestly as the tender true-hearted simple english girl that she was that and nothing else for it had come to this with bellarmin in certain moods of reaction when the other wilder passion lost its sway over him these thoughts were moving him to the very depths of his being while lord stonehenge said gently i quite understand mr bellarmin i didn't put my meaning well at least i certainly did not mean to say that you were concerned about yourself what i meant was that you were afraid of some unwise political schemes or dynastic schemes if you like might be astir but you may be quite reassured monsignor valmy and i and general falcon of course are sane men leave me out falcon exclaimed impatiently i would go my own way if i could bellarmin made a movement as if he would pull himself out of dreamland a gesture not lost upon falcon you see bellarmin said there was some ground for my misgivings after all none whatever general falcon retorted i would go my own way if i could but i can't and i understand that as well as any practical politician who ever lived only i don't want to be taken as approving of every arrangement which i accept just because i can't have any other monsignor valmy interposed 
it is not easy perhaps for mr bellarmin to realize our position we have nothing to renounce i mean there is nothing which it is in our power to renounce no declaration on her part could make the princess could make miss beaton other than what she is suppose she were to say that she renounced being a woman would she not be a woman all the same suppose you were to say you renounced your right to be your father's son would you be any less the son of your father all that i can quite understand looking at it from your point of view of course mine is quite different with you it is only like the case of a man who withdraws from the candidature for the presidentship of the united states or the office of lord mayor of london lord stonehenge suggested with a quiet smile well yes if you like to put it that way yes i believe in the right of a people to choose its own chief magistrate whether for perpetuity or for four years or one year and you a tory a tory democrat monsignor valmy suavely interposed a tory who believes that the world goes round and that something must come of the discovery of the electric light bellarmin said but what i was going to say was that i quite understand your principle and that i greatly respect it all that i want to impress on you is this i am only talking now of parliamentary affairs it would be absurd of me to offer you advice in any other matters i only want to impress upon you that your last chance for your real claims excuse me i mean your money claims would be gone with the house of commons gone with sir victor champion gone with any and every english statesman if the claims were accompanied with the faintest the very faintest whisper of dynastic intrigues or even hopes there are no intrigues lord stonehenge said slowly and distinctly none whatever i think i may tell you also mr bellarmin that to men like monsignor valmy and myself there are no hopes within the range of any horizon that the eyes of our intellect can compass if the right order of things is ever to be restored it will not be in our time it will be in heaven's time monsignor valmy said bending his head we of this day and generation can do nothing that is quite enough bellarmin replied gravely you have satisfied all my scruples and fears pray forgive my bluntness i had to ask these questions even while they were speaking general falcon had abruptly quitted the pavilion it was evident that even if he had no hopes he was not willing to admit the fact bellarmin was the first to observe that he had gone bellarmin said nothing then on the subject but in his mind the ways of falcon boded trouble to mary beaton also falcon's manner seemed ominous in truth she had been puzzled and vexed by his fitful moods of late his strange alternations of capricious fault-finding and jealous affection it was a relief sometimes to turn to lord stonehenge in whom she always found a grave respectful devotion and care for her interests which in many ways appeared more abstract than personal she had come to rely upon him in an undemonstrative fashion almost more than upon any other of her counsellors and the thought had flashed through her mind several times during the past week or two that if she were in any real difficulty it would be to lord stonehenge that she would apply for advice he was waiting for her alone at the little landing-place when the skiff shot to shore and the young prince of saragossa with his exaggerated air of deference bent on one knee to the ground and held the boat steady while mary beaton stepped on land madame said stonehenge i think that you have been long enough out of doors 
there is a mist rising and we must be careful of your health it is you exclaimed mary i thought that solitary figure could only be falcon waiting to rebuke me for my misdeeds has he commissioned you to scold me now i am sure that you have all been talking politics and discussing my claims and the rest and mr bellarmine took the sober nineteenth century house of commons view of the matter and my poor general was indignant and went off in wrath wasn't it so we were discussing your claims madame and you all quarrelled over them no we did not quarrel we came to the conclusion that it was best to let them rest as far as parliament is concerned till a prime minister came in who would give them his sympathy and support and that may be before long and the prime minister will be sir victor champion i think i can count upon his sympathy if i can count on nothing else well it was a wise conclusion to come to lord stonehenge but i am afraid it did not suit general falcon's temper which seems irritated against us all myself included then he went away in anger and he left you as his deputy to give me my scolding i am quite accustomed to being found fault with and made angry so that you need not have any scruples about beginning madame i could not be so presumptuous unless anything serious if it were a question of your safety and then and then repeated mary looking up at him as she moved on by his side and then madame he said in a tone very unusual in him i think it would be easier to die for you than to make you angry she felt the thrill of his emotion it alarmed and bewildered her a little was he too becoming melodramatic she glanced up at him again in a troubled way and her voice changed as she answered with an attempt to speak lightly one at least of your name lord stonehenge vowed his life to the service of a steward and he gave it up at newbury i was looking at his portrait yesterday and do you know that your face and his are very much alike but those days are past she added happily for you and for me their spirit lives yet said stonehenge and it will endure in me so long as my life endures he stopped and gazed at her solemnly she too standing still a shaft of moonlight pierced the thick foliage of a little grove through which they were passing into the house and fell upon mary's fair face and noble form the white scarf had dropped from her head but she held it loosely with her two hands interlaced at her breast stonehenge bent forward and taking one of her hands in his stooped low over it and touched it with his lips madame he said with an old-world chivalry which might have befitted the cavalier who had fallen at newbury this is my act of homage to the queen and to the woman in all faith and sincerity i lay my heart and my life at your feet they are yours to do with what you will the young girl started and crimsoned deeply and the tears gathered in her eyes she hardly realized the meaning of his words she only felt that he was intensely in earnest she did not know whether this was a part of the fantastic dream the romantic fealty of subject to sovereign which even in these prosaic times seemed the birthright of stuart blood the rich breath of perfume from the still unfading white rose or was it the red rose of love which was held out to her the mere everyday offer of marriage from man to woman she could have wept aloud in the feeling of strangeness and loneliness and odd humiliation that came over her what was she that this man should rate her so high 
would he feel the same to her if she were only mary mary with no noble name no historic lineage was she any better off after all in her sham royalty than the princesses who could never know what it was to be loved for themselves alone lord stonehenge she cried impulsively why do you think of me like that i'm not a queen and i can't accept your life or or anything except your friendship and that i do value with my whole heart it is more to me than even you perhaps could understand i feel glad and happy to hear you say that he answered quietly since friendship is the name you prefer we will call it so but madame i want you to know fully that everything else is included what i call it does not matter to you and need never cause you a moment's responsibility or uneasiness since in future it will not be for me to ask but for you to demand or to bestow if you think good that is the privilege of queens you know he added with a gentle laugh they walked on for a few moments in silence and then as if determined that she should feel no doubt or embarrassment he resumed his ordinary manner and began to tell her the subject of their conversation in the pavilion i don't understand general falcon said mary thoughtfully his manner is so strange and variable in truth she went on i do not know what he wants of me or for me i sometimes fancy lord stonehenge that he is so anxious to have these money claims settled because living in london we are spending more than we ought and getting to the end of our resources oh no madame interposed stonehenge hastily surely you need not be troubled about that it does not trouble me even if it were the case i don't suppose that i shall come to the workhouse anyhow and what right have i to be better off than thousands of poor creatures what does make me unhappy sometimes is that i seem to have so little to give away i see so much misery and i can do nothing to remedy it mary sighed deeply they entered the house just then lady struthers heroically waiting her young mistress's pleasure was nodding in the inner hall in company of the rev dr amblaine whom the bonds of courtesy still detained the poor priest found no sympathetic soul in lady struthers but he had talked to her about his beloved books all the same and had accepted the receipt for a cough mixture which had benefited an hereditary prince and then he had watched her as she nodded and had pondered upon the emptiness of an existence such as hers mary beaton graver than was her wont bade them good-night and went at once to her own apartments end of volume two chapter three